Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Please take your seats. This evening's performance is about to begin. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Matt Stryker. Joining me as always, or at least most of the time, Mike the Rotocop. Mike, what's going on? Mike is wearing a Paris Saint, Paris Saint Germain shirt. Are you, know you really? Do you know what Listen, PSG I grew up watching is? football. One player on PSG. Currently, I can't. All right. But Thank I can you. tell you back in the day, yeah, days of like, uh, not, he didn't play for PSG, but I know all, all the footballers from Italia, Syria, eh. Watching my friend Matteo, watch Baggio Mancini, watch Von Boston, Klinsmann, Gulit. I did. Yeah, hundred percent. We can get my friend Matteo on the line right now to talk PSG. Why are you wearing a PSG thing? Didn't Everton, Liverton, Liverpool, Liverpool. Hotspurs? I'm wearing a PSG thing because I'm a PSG fan. Oh, look at me! Casual PSG fan. I don't want like all of these questions about PSG history. You're the first. You said to me, "Could you name one guy on PSG?" The way you made it seem was like you knew about PSG. So PSG, PSG, and G. They give you gas and electric. I thought you sold yourself short on that intro. You are now Matt Stryker, who appeared on MLB Network. Yes. Matt Stryker, which yes, is I am. a monumental moment. Thank you. And you, Mike the Rotocop, you, sir, are no Brian Kenny. I'll tell you that. That but was my 15 minutes of fame, there 15 was. seconds of fame on when so, you were on. <laughs> to, the, to the viewers out there, I hit Mike up, and I was like, yo, man, you know, I'm going on MLB. And he writes back, you're so leaving me in the dust. This was his text. I went out of my way and made sure to make sure to make sure that your name was mentioned not once but twice on national television. It was. It was very nice. So thing. don't be like one of these like jealous girlfriends. Like, oh, my God, you're going to go out and be around all those divas, and you're going to forget about me. Uh. Yeah, that, that was great. Uh, the mention was great, and the appearance was good, I guess, too. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. <laughs> So while I'm on MLB Network, what are you doing? I am. Um, what was I doing? I was golfing while you were on MLB Network, and but I texted you that I taped it. I DVR'd it. Taped it. What are you, my dad? But I got home in time to watch it live. Oh, nice. Actually, you want to hear a funny story? Sure. I'll tell you the real story. Periscope <laughs> World. Okay, here we go. I went golfing. Didn't think I was going to make it, so I taped it. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just go to the gym and watch it on my phone on Reddit. So I was live streaming Reddit. And we'll be now on Reddit while you were on it, while I was at the gym. And I pulled into my driveway on the way home, and that's when Brian Kenny said the Mike the Rotocop thing. And I was like, oh, shit. And I ran inside and <laughs> caught it on TV. So that's what really happened. Look at that. I made young Michael. Oh, you're like a Make-A-Wish kid. I was you're at my the gym with MLB Now on the floor. People nice. probably saw that and thought, like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? Well, this guy likes baseball. That's how it usually goes, yeah. Fair enough. All right, so um, well, a lot of things going on in the sports world outside of me being on MLB Network. Um, so I'm a big boxing fan. This weekend I'll head out to Vegas and be a part of the big title fight that is going on. Uh, Mike, did you watch the, the fight? Yeah, the Joshua Ruiz fight. I actually fell asleep. I caught it the next morning. I woke up to a couple of text messages saying that Joshua lost. He was 2,500 plus uh, minus 2,500 in the fight. Ruiz was whatever he was. And then I watched it and... Anthony Joshua is no competition for Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury at this point. No. Fury would pick him apart. Wilder would knock him out. 
Yeah, pretty much, and I think that's the consensus. But uh, right now, as far as the, the heavyweight division goes, I mean, what else do you have to clamor for? Who wins the rematch with Ruiz and Joshua? Because Ruiz is a boxer. Yeah, no, but I, I just think it's an anomaly. It's it's almost as really? if uh, – remember when Foreman knocks out Michael Moore? Uh, what year was like that? 50. What yeah, year was that? Probably before you were born. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just think, listen, boxing, there's an old saying that everyone has a puncher's chance. And, listen, Ruiz had the puncher's chance, and he got it. Crazy, crazier things have happened. You think he's, you think he's an expert I, pugilist that is going to retain the, the unilateral titles? No, I think he's a legitimate boxer, and he is a way better boxer technician-wise than Joshua is. Okay. Joshua is bigger, stronger, faster, obviously, but you can look at the two of them and see that. But I think Ruiz has a very good shot at winning the rematch. Okay, so then Ruiz wins the rematch, and then you have the unification. And give him a shot at Wilder. And Fury then what happens there? He gets what happens destroyed. there, Bert Sugar? He gets destroyed. <laughs> but that's how little I think of Joshua after this. All right, I'll make sure to tell him that. My big thing is anytime you disparage someone, you did it with Josh Fegley a couple of weeks ago, I want to get them in studio, and I want you to say it to their face. <laughs> it's easy memory. to say You're it. not losing your memory. You've been hitting the head yeah, a lot, but yeah, you're not yeah. losing your memory. It's, uh, it's easy to say it and be on a show and go, oh, you know, uh, Hunter Dozier should be dropped. And then Hunter Dozier's standing in front of you, and you go, oh, Hunter Dozier, I love you. I'll tell you something you did not remember. You did not remember that show was supposed I'm to do the read. Hunter Dozier. That show was supposed to do the read for the topics. You I do remember, remember it, but we got into an organic conversation. I was going to bring Joe in. in, in Joe's a nice waiting way. over there. He's like, wow. has you know, list. here's here's what here's what <laughs> it is with Joshua you. Ruiz. Here's what it is with you. All right. So things need to develop organically, naturally. Our friend Joe and I share a vocation where we're both educators and we understand how important the flow of a classroom is. We'll get to our objective, but how we get there, that's what's really, you know what I mean, Joe? Come on in, open the mic up. Is is the teaching points. It's the teaching points. That's all it is. And and Mike is one of these young teachers that needs to go exactly by his lesson plan. If he doesn't go by his lesson plan, ah. I think there's a word for that. And it is. Joe, what's the word? Let, let's let's just trade words. I go with neurotic. You go with. I, I go no with idea. obsessive. You go with. Yeah, type A. Uh, I go with narcissism. You go with type A. Would, cop. Type A would I go with control. You go with <laughs> order. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> you mean you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So now that Joe has opened up his mic. You didn't mic, intro him. You oh didn't intro God. Joe after he came back last week after his uh, Joe. whole tenure can we, thing. Can we shut and now you don't let him read the list. Give off? us what you got, This is organic. Let's be organic Let's here. be organic. Ladies and gentlemen, our good man, Joe the Sound Guy, the owner of Average Joe, is a team that has gone from 11th place to 2nd place because of Mike and I working so hard. And he is now soon to be a tenured educator. And he's a man that I like to say is a good dude. Joe, what's up? Not much, guys. Well, thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, let's get on to the news then. So, NBA Finals. Who's going to win it? What do you got, Mike? I got the Golden State Warriors in six. Yeah. Same? Yeah, I got Golden State. And like I said, I want to see Aubrey get punched in the face. If they can't beat Golden State when Curry's sick, Iguodala gets hurt, leaves the game in the first half. Right. Thompson gets hurt, leaves the game. Like Looney has a chest contusion and his collarbone's all messed up. If they can't win that game in Toronto... Yep. I, I can only give him one more. Joe, so that's an agreement. Joe, you loving the basketball? You don't care? You're indifferent. I mean, I'm watching it. You are. I'm watching that and the NHL finals, and uh, I've been pretty impressed so far. Big news. Yeah. Uh, McCutcheon. Yeah, McCutcheon could use a hard seltzer or two right now. Out for the year, huh, Mike? Yeah, that one sucks. That sucks for the Phillies. That sucks for McCutcheon. I saw a tweet that said uh, 
nobody on Twitter ever agrees on anything, but they everybody agrees that Andrew McCutcheon getting hurt is a bad thing because he's such a good guy, yeah. and everybody uh, likes to look up to him as a role model, especially young kids. For McCutcheon, it sucks. For the Phillies, it sucks. Now they call up uh, Adam Hazley, who was the eighth pick in the 2017 draft. He's starting in center field tonight, hitting eighth in the lineup, so that's something to look for. Mm-hmm. Cesar Hernandez is leading off, so it gives him a little bump in value. But, yeah, this McCutcheon thing sucks for the Phillies, and there is a weird way that he got hurt. Gene Segura was up. Runner, McCutcheon was on first, no out. Pops it up to Kinsler at second base. Kinsler lets the ball drop to get the double play. Segura never yeah. runs out of the box. Yeah. So McCutcheon's in a bad spot, so he starts running to second, runs back to first, and a rundown comes up lame, and obviously as far as ACL. When I uh, first heard about the Jay Bruce deal, I thought that it would be problems for Scott Kingery owners, but I guess the silver lining in this now is if Kutch, you say he's out for the year, it definitely opens up playing time for Bruce, for Kingery, for the kid they called up. For I don't know Herm Winningham. Anybody who hits, <laughs> anybody who hits, yeah, yeah. Anybody who hits, especially in Philly this year. So oh. definitely a loss for them. Uh, hitters are important, but so are pitchers. It's called a segue. Joe, what's the last thing on the list? We got Keuchel yeah. and Kimbrel. We sure do. And look, I like how he said we got Keuchel and Kimbrel. So here's the thing: a lot of people were sleeping on. Now that the draft is coming, gone the, the whole losing a pick thing when you pick up. Uh, either Kimbrel or Keuchel is, is kind of alleviated a little bit. I have already heard Keuchel's name bandied about as well as Kimbrel. Um, Mike, your thoughts? If these guys were available in any of your leagues, are you going to get them, or are they pretty much all owned? Well, as far as um, Keiko goes, it's weird because uh, it came out yesterday before the whole Yankees thing came out that he would be willing to shave his beard to yeah. play for the Yankees. Yeah. And then 20, uh, 12 hours later, I guess it was, it came out that the Yankees emerged as the front runners and yep. are the most yep. likely to get Keiko. Would you shave your beard for a work opportunity? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, are you kidding me? They're Not for the be... Yankees, for a work opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you would? Yeah, to me, to me. Gotta do what you gotta do. I totally agree. Most I, people don't. I get it. The whole I know a lot of people that have beards, and a lot of guys think that they've achieved something by growing their beard. Like, n- you no, know you didn't. You did what people have men have been doing for thousands of years, far better than you or I throughout the times of Egypt and Mesopotamia. So these guys, oh, my beard defines me. No, it doesn't. And if you're going to get 6 million, 12 million, 14 million, where else do you hear Mesopotamia and baseball on the same freaking show? You don't. Nice. You don't. But yeah, seriously, I would. And the thing with Keiko, um, yeah, lefty arm. That's good. Uh, he's got a handful of pitches. In six seasons, he's had three sub three ERA seasons. He won 20 games once, and uh, he won 14 games back in 2017. But I think he can come and win you like 10 games. And Something like that. They're signing him for the playoffs, and yeah, yeah. he's going to deliver in the playoffs. I'm not concerned with, I mean, fantasy wise, you're concerned with how he does over the regular season, but it's all going to be a tune up until yep. that playoffs start when they need him in a uh, deciding elimination game. So that would be great for the Yankees, who have dealt with a ton of injuries this year. And Craig Kimbrell, it seems like it's got to be down to, to the Braves or the Twins. I mean, some people right. are saying the Rays, some people are saying wow. the Cubs, but. The Braves, the Braves seem like the most logical destination for him, in my in my opinion. I agree. I, I think I've also heard Keiko attached to the Braves as well. Uh, let me just posit this notion, float this down your ear canal. If the Braves picked up a Keiko and a Kimbrel, what does that mean to you rest of season for the Atlanta Braves? That would definitely put them in a, an even better position than they're already in. I mean, they got the lineup. The lineup's not the question. It's the pitching. Soroka's been insane, so that's helped them out a lot. But the back end of the bullpen, something that hasn't been solidified between uh, Jackson, Newcomb. Like, we're talking about guys yeah. here who have never pitched in, 
in pressure situations as far as playoff games go or wild card games. So getting Kimbrough would definitely be huge. I don't know if he'd jump into that closer role off bat. He might need a little time to to re- whatever uh, warm up his arm. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Rehabilitate. Rehabilitate his arm. <laughs> sure. What did you say, Joe? Get reacclimated. Yes. Re-acclimated. Yeah, that one too. I love it, Mike. You stand no chance because you are just like you're you're in in the middle passage of the great like triangle shirt waist fire of. <laughs> Joe and I, as educators, did Middle Passage get you or Triangle there, Shirt? There were so fire? many mixed things that just came <laughs> out all at once. Joe, do, do you watch Jeopardy by any chance? I do. Every night? Not every night, but uh, Most I do nights? follow it. Yeah. You followed this whole James thing? Yeah, whole tower. You, you saw uh, it last night? Uh, I didn't see last night. I heard about it on the radio this morning. And the only thing I keep thinking about is the Ken Jennings alleged loss that happened, I don't know how many years ago now. Yeah. I so I, I emailed James to come on the show. About two weeks ago, and he sent the best email back that was so candid and so James-like. Matt, unfortunately, wasn't as excited as I was, but maybe I was a little overexcited. He messaged this whole thing back saying he would love to, but with all due respect, he declines, declines, declines. And then he goes, and tell Matt he should really go back to WWE and start announcing again. There you go. And then today, he made a reference saying, maybe you'll see me in a WWE ring or an American Ninja Warrior soon. Interesting. Interesting. That's a little way to tie everything together, no? I don't see what kind of Gordian knot this uses to tie anything because together. Because I was the first one that he mentioned WWE to, and uh, now uh. he's all over the WWE dirt sheets. That's how. Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> it's called a plug. <laughs> Unbelievable. What am I going to do with you, Mike? I thought, it was, I thought it was very interesting. Like I find myself often like listening to the show and going, like, is he for real? Like, Is this guy for real? Like, you I only can... find yourself doing that when I say the W word. The W word's wrestling, right? No, but I just I try to <laughs> wonder. So here's my thing, I guess, just going back to be a teacher. I want to know what inspires schema. I want to know what inspires you to think and learn and put things together and how you arrive at something, how I arrive at something. What are your motivations? What's relevant to you? Blah, blah, blah. And I often try to, I guess, over-psychoanalyze people's motivations for stuff. Like, why do you think something's funny? And the rest of the room goes, no, it's not funny. I don't know. I just thought James was a hot topic in the world right now. Okay, so it's trending. It's being a part of a conversation. We're finishing the current events bit right now. (laughs) It's something miscellaneous. Thank you. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Uh, Every week, it seems, in baseball, uh, guys just start coming on gangbusters. And, Mike, you and I have been really on point the past few weeks when we're doing this this topic this segment of is he for real or is it for real uh we we nail everyone right on the head pretty much so if you've been listening and you've been picking up and dropping guys that we've been talking about kind of like average joe's team you're moving up in your standings and the first guy that i see a lot of people jumping all over i want to ask you is he for real or not or is it for real or not is Derek dietrich yeah dietrich's interesting because he already has 17 homers 17 bombs for dietrich is a little less surprising than his 270 average though because he's not typically an average hitter his ops is over a thousand so the big change in his in his approach i should say was that he's not chasing balls near the amount he was last year so that that's obviously helped him a lot but his swing and strike rate is up and his contact rate is down from last year which is interesting because it kind of contradicts the the chasing the balls on the outside so he might not be going for worse pitches but he's actually doing worse in the contact department and the swing and strike department his hard hit rate for a guy with 17 homers is below average, and so is his exit velocity. And he's still a platoon player. He only has 16 right. at-bats against lefties this year. That's a big so thing. guys are running to the waiver wire to go get Derek Dietrich, not realizing he might only play four <laughs> times a week, or yeah. he might only play three times a week right. if they get a tough string against, just say, the Dodgers, and they're mm-hmm. facing Kershaw, mm-hmm. Hill, and mm-hmm. whoever else. So 
I'm just going to say he's not for real. Okay. I'd rather let guys go out there and waste their waiver or waste whatever they want. Even if you want to uh, trade him and sell high on him, I think would be a good move at this point. But I'm going to go not for real for Derek Dietrich. There you go. For me, I'm in the same boat as you. I think you just ride him till the wheels fall off. But I agree with you. If you can get something for him right now, if somebody is just you know enamored with the hot name, yeah. go right ahead and swing that deal. Um, a name that... Has come up in past uh, last season and then really died down. Has come up now again. Is Dansby Swanson? Your thoughts on the Brave? The thing with Swanson, he's only twenty five years old. So many people are so quick to count count him out already, and he's only twenty five. His hard hit percentage is way up from last year, and his O swing is way down. So everything's trending in the right direction. He's in a dangerous lineup, like we mentioned when yep. we were talking about uh, the Braves bullpen. How dangerous that lineup actually is. And he's crushing off-speed pitches. In 2018, he hit 186 against off-speed. This year, he's hitting 333. Wow. So that's a difference right there. That's Holy something cow. you can just go on Baseball Savant and look how he's doing against fastballs, um, breaking pitches, and off-speed pitches. And you could see where he was struggling in the past and where he's excelling now. So everything points in the right direction for Dan's response. And like yeah. I said, he has the five stolen bases, so he's even running. Yeah. So that's a good – if he steals 15 bases this year or close to it. a huge win. And he goes 2015 or even the pace he's on, he might do it. a little better than that. I think Swanson is, is definitely for real, and I, I would go out and grab him if he's yeah. available or if he's being sold yeah. at, a, at a, a reasonable price. I would definitely go grab Swanson. I agree with you. I think this is the Swanson that the, the Braves have known about and that we got glimpses of, and also I think that the Riley factor helps. Like you said, the lineup definitely helps, and I, too, agree that Dansby Swanson is for real, and if he's out there, uh, I wouldn't necessarily – Hitch my cart to him as an SS1, mm-hmm. but he could be a utility player. He could be a nice little addition oh, for somewhere sure. else. Yeah, for sure. Um, a guy that I actually drafted, and people said to me, huh? And I said, you know nothing. And that's Brandon Woodruff. Thoughts? He's, he, he's come up a lot over the last uh, yep. month or two for our podcasts, and even on yep. Twitter and the fantasy baseball industry as well. Another guy, 26 years old. These guys, some guys take time to really excel in the major leagues. They're not just going to get called up right away. Well, the old saying is what, 20, 26, 27, that's the season that you, you break out. Yeah, my dad always says you got to 30 years old to figure out what you want to do with your life. So these and then from players, there, it's all downhill. <laughs> so, Joe, you're in a good spot. You're you in go. a good spot. Sitting pretty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Brandon Woodruff, 26 years old, 80 strikeouts and 68 in the third innings. Nice. So his ERA is a little under four. The, the key with him is the four seam. The miles per hour, 96.4, he's sitting at. That's his average. So he, he's throwing hard, and that pitch value has a 9.5. So I'm a big believer in establishing the fastball, especially earlier in counts. Uh, I'm reading David Cohn's new book, which— You know I, how to read? I can't remember. That was, that I was can't like remember how to sound out vowels. That was like an elementary school joke right there. I know. That's so, why it was so funny. I can't remember the name of it. David Cohn just came out of the book. I'm on, like, Chapter 3. I just started it. Oh. I haven't had much time to uh, to really get into it. Sound but out the big words. Mike. He—, he uh, he says in the book that he believes any pitcher with a good enough fastball could go through a game just throwing a fastball. It's a pretty interesting read, his take on it. That's interesting. As if you could locate it and That's have what some he's saying. Move, late movement to it. Mm-hmm. You know? He's saying if you, if you know what you're doing with your fastball and you know where it's going to go every time, then you could go through a whole game with just your fastball. So that was something interesting, and that's, that even further is my belief that really yep. establishing the fastball is such a key thing. And I think you really just hit the nail on the head what uh, differentiates between a pitcher and a hurler there. Joe. Nice. Do you have my notes? I don't believe so. Uh, I don't know if it's still in my notes. Maybe I deleted it from my notes. But I said he's becoming more of a pitcher than a thrower. Somewhere in this. Somewhere in this. I can't remember where it was. But do, you want, do you want me to, to leave the room? Give you guys... <laughs> I was like... that was. I'm right attention. here with you, Joe. I'm right here. So on Savant, it also has similar pitchers 
based on velo and movement. It does the same thing for hitters. These are three of the five pitchers that it's a baseball savant, which is the yeah. the be all end all pretty much of uh, advanced statistics, comes up with as a comp for Brandon Woodruff this year: Frankie Montas, Max Scherzer, Herman Marquez. So you don't got to sell me anymore. Top of this, he has good control. I think he is definitely for real, and I think you were very smart for drafting Brandon Woodruff. Say that last part again. I couldn't hear you. Uh, I'm okay. Oh, okay, fair enough. All right, uh, an- another guy that people are asking you see for real, and I, I just don't know how he fits in here because to me this guy's a pro hitter. Uh, big injury on his team. He slides up now, puts pressure on the guy hitting behind him. I'm, t- I'm talking about Alex Gordon. Dozier goes on the IL. So Gordon slides up in that lineup, puts pressure on Solaire. I think Gordon's a pro hitter. I think Gordon's always for real, but there are sexier guys that you can go out and get, but if, you, if you're one of these practical people, and, you know, sometimes I talk myself out of the right decision. Sometimes I talk myself into, yeah, I'll wear that T-shirt. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't worn it since, you know, I don't know, college, but what I'll wear it. What T-shirt are you wearing right now? No, I'm just saying, and you put it no, on, curious, and you, you look like, you. you know, I don't know, Mario Lopez. Like, it just it doesn't fit. It's just way too tight, whatever. What T-shirt is that? This is a shirt you won't understand. Start a revolution. What else does it say? So this shirt has all different forms of scriptures from all types of different theologies around the world put on it in one. And it's to represent how while there may be different uh, opinions and thoughts about ways to get somewhere, we're all kind of going in the same place. Interesting. Where'd you get that from? Can't tell you that. Right. Sorry, they don't well, like it's, it. It's better than your usual gray pullover hoodie that you wear with your. Why are you attacking my sense of style? Stupid converse. But seriously, why do you why do you attack my style? I, listen, I come from. My father always taught me the most important thing at the end of the day is be comfortable, man. Be comfortable. So why can't I be comfortable? Why do you have to judge me? I just said it's better. I didn't. What, what better who cares implies. What I, who cares if I say it's better or it's worse? Who cares? You're, you're a dick. Alex Gordon, two seventy seven nine. Don't look at me like that. Alex Gordon, two six. Go ahead. Give me every metric you can, or you can just say Alex Gordon is real or not, and we can move on. Hasn't hit twenty homers since two thousand thirteen. Fine, neither have I. (laughs) (laughs) What else about Alex Gordon? Numbers are slightly above average, but I'm going to go with not for real. One in part because it is Alex Gordon. This is not the Alex Gordon that we knew from the World Series runs or even before that. This is not the same guy. Regression is in the cards. He has an expected batting average of 219 against breaking balls this year, but he's hitting 270, so that's definitely going to go down, which overall is going to bring his average down. He's 35 years old at this point. That's the biggest He is what he is, so I'm going to say not for real on Gordon. Maybe you could plug him in uh, on off days if you're in a daily league, or maybe you catch a hot week from him, but I would say not for real. Uh, Who else are we talking about here? Felix Pena. Felix Pena, yeah. Los Angeles Angels. Um, I get it. His last start, he looked good, but it was against the Mariners. I think Tim Beckham took him deep, and that's a pro hitter. Uh, I think this whole opener thing is interesting. I think that uh, Pena is kind of in the same breath as some of the other, uh, maybe Chironos or uh, I don't know, Means or Beaks or whoever yeah, else bro, is there. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, to pain. Yeah, I'd rather have John Gant. I'd rather have Josh James. I'd rather, have Carlos, Mar- I'd rather have Carlos Martinez. I'd rather have Zach Godley. You know, I'd like to have any of these guys. Uh, Vince Velasquez is getting a sixth and seventh inning work. I'd yeah. rather do that. Uh, mentioning John Gant, he did get another save the other day. Yeah, he I came know. in for Hicks. I know this what guy, I'm saying, this, dude. You need to get like a John Gant jersey. If we go to the All Star game, you should wear a we? John Gant jersey. If I go to the, if we go to the All Star game, if I get things to the All Star game, where's a Cleveland? Yeah. Joe's coming. Anyway, um, Felix Pena, yeah, I would say not for real, also, even though. This is it, Joe. He is slowly this learning is how to, he is slowly Make learning how to no pitch instead of throw. So you were right. Come so on, that's Kenny why Loggins, I used it. Man. You guys um, you guys just disappoint. 
Kenny Loggins. Sounds familiar. Yeah, you think he played center field for the Cleveland Indians. That's what you think. <laughs> His slider usage is up, and that's been a key. And yeah. he has a 6.1 pitch value on that slider, so it is helping him a lot. Okay. But he's going to hit hard, and the fastball is not good enough for uh, to be thrown nearly 60% of the time. So I'm going to say not for real for Felix Pena. What are you writing down? I'm about not writing Felix down Pena? anything. I saw you write something down. I wrote nothing down about Felix Pena. All uh, right, interesting. Uh, not for real, Felix Pena. So uh, when we look at all these players, I, I work my waiver wire all the time. There's there's certain metrics that I'll always look at, and then there's some that I won't. Um, I was on a show yesterday, and I was talking about how. With all the great advanced metrics, I still go back to splits. I still go back to splits. And they always work. You know, it just it always works for me. And another metric that I always go to is OPS. And you have to explain how OPS I think is just the best indicator of an offensive production of a player. So basically, OPS is on base, which is the frequency of reaching base, plus slugging, which is the total number of bases a player records per at bat. So OPS is a player's likelihood to both get on base and hit for power. I like to look at OPS more than I look at average. Uh, your thoughts? OPS is something that's widely accepted, and that's why you hear hear so much about it. It's it's almost so much simpler than all these other metrics right. out there. That's why I like it. <laughs> but it's also not as accurate as all these other metrics out there. So OPS is a good gauge for, I guess, a, a common fan is what I would use. But oh, yeah, okay. it, it, it translates well. It translates well, though, to finding out who is the best hitters out there. And, I, I, I think it gives you a much clearer picture of production as far as fantasy goes. OPS is valuable to me because I want to know who's going to produce in these high-scoring categories. For for you know my dad watching the game, he doesn't care what so-and-so's OPS is because he was raised in a world where your batting average and your ERA are what define you. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, but the only problem I have with it is that OBP is two times more valuable than slugging when, when calculating OPS, or almost two times more valuable But you have slugging. to take into consideration, right? So OBP is just the frequency of reaching base, but that means also you can be hit by a pitch, you can be intentionally passed, yeah, you can be walked. It's so that, depending on plate appearances. Right, right. and in, in fantasy, those things don't get you the same amount of points as mm -hmm. a double or a triple does. Just, just to put things in perspective, career OBP leaders, and I'm sure if you thought about this, you could be able to name three of the top five. Mm -hmm. Babe Ruth. Barry Bonds, my favorite player of all time, Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, and Lou Gehrig. Okay. All right. Career slugging leaders, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, and Stan Musial. So why aren't Williams and Cobb on the slugging list? The answer is because they, they didn't have as many extra base hits. Yeah. Williams was hitting singles all day. Yeah. So that, to me, is a difference. Career OPS leaders, the first four are left-handed batters. I don't know if there's a correlation. We have mm -hmm. to get somebody to do that. Career OPS leaders are Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, Barry Bonds. Mike Trout is number 9 out of 10. Joey wow. Votto is number 19. Really? And he's a lefty. So just to me, that's why I like OPS, because it gives me a bigger picture, and it shows me the difference between a Babe Ruth and a Ted Williams. Yeah, so referring to OPS in, in today's world, the 710 is an average OPS, mm -hmm. 0.710. Anything over 1,000 is excellent, right. and the, the chart goes like that. OPS Plus is something that you should also consider because yep. it normalizes OPS by using things like park factors, which OPS doesn't use. So that's another intriguing part to this. And using OPS Plus also, and it's based on a pretty easy scale of 100 or plus. If it's over 100, that's the better. If it's under 100, that's the worst. So OPS Plus and WOBA are more accurate. But like Matt said, trans OPS does translate well. Do you know who 
well, similar to what you just said about the top five being the same in OBP and slugging, the top five in OPS. Well, they're not the same. They're, they're, almost the same. There's distinct the differences, which is what we were the discussing. The top three, I think you said the top, the same. The top three are Ruth and, no, the top two, Ruth and Bonds, Ruth and Bonds. Okay. So in, in today's Major League Baseball in 2019, the top five is Bellinger, Yelich, Rendon, Meadows, and Josh Bell, which are five of the best players this season. And who are the top five war guys? I think those are the same top five war guys. Top five Woba guys okay. are the same exact top five. So there's the correlation, so. which is why knowing what... You don't have to know what Woba and Babbitt and OPS and Slugging and this are if you know what one of them are or mm-hmm. two of them are. Because then at least you can understand... The, the stimulus or stimuli put in front of you. I don't need to understand all five values. If I can make an educated guess, if I know two values, plus my knowledge of baseball, I can make an educated decision in DFS and rest of the season in a waiver wire pickup, in a trade, anything like that. Yeah, in most cases, yes, you are correct. All right, on the line right now as part of the Fantasy Baseball Hour special guest list, Mike the Robo- Rotocop has pulled away the red velvet rope. And has allowed the great, the one and only, Tim Haney to walk in at Team Haney. What's going on, Tim? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Finally, nice to have an extended talk with you. We always keep running into each other things, but never uh, never have time to talk. And Matt, big fan of yours uh, with all your wrestling commenting. So uh, really an honor for me to be on with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on, man. Nice. Somebody has to be a fan. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, I'm a fan of you. I'm a big fan of this article that you read. But before we get into that, Mike's been chomping at the bit. Article to, that you uh, wrote. That, that uh, I read that he wrote. Thank you. I used to be the school teacher. Mike's just a jerk all the time. So, Mike, you had some <laughs> pressing questions uh, for Tim. What's up? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to start off by giving you a little promo, Tim, between, I mean, you're all over the place. You got the ESPN fantasy stuff. You got the fantasy black book. Now you're doing it for football, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually just editing the football book. I do a little bit of baseball writing, though, for the Black Book. Joe Pease would be a great guy, one of my good friends in the industry. Yeah. Working with him on that project for a couple of years there. And I also do a little social media and podcasting for Rotowire as well. So, yeah, i got to kind of you know dip your fingers in a lot of different pies here. Yeah, and then you also got the In This Ring pod also. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to wait on that one. I didn't want to be too, <laughs> too forthcoming with Matt there. But, yes, we do have a wrestling podcast, Joe and I. In this ring wrestling pod, love that. Uh, you know, a nice little side piece hoping to get off the ground in this, you know, near future. Love talking wrestling, love talking fantasy sports. The heck of a mix. Yeah, of course. As, I, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, I, I, couldn't feel, uh, I couldn't feel the same way anymore. Um, quickly, AEW, Double or Nothing, or the last NXT on Saturday night? Which was better? I'm usually going to start with NXT. Uh, just really? The crisp production, crisp talent. Just because Matt's on here, pay-per-view, right? Pay-per-view, doesn't go, doesn't go four hours, you know, that sort of thing, but... <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. A lot of people talk about you know the, the quality of what goes on in the ring and stuff. But it, it's interesting. We can have this conversation. The production, you know, the vehicle of, from which you see this, it really makes a difference. And I just think that lighting and production and all these things that you just illustrated were so important are something that AEW is certainly going to have to at least match or bring something different if they want to compete with the aesthetic of WWE. Uh, Competition is great for for everybody involved. I think I, I, if, if you really want to embrace it, you can raise your own production, your own content to the next level. I I, I love a lot of the guys involved with A and W and the women's scene as well. So looking forward to kind of seeing where each lies, and you know, hope this leads to kind of the next golden age of, of uh, sports entertainment. Pro yeah, wrestling. yeah. Before we move on to baseball, and I know Matt's going to kill me for saying this, but as you said, competition is a great thing for for everybody involved. 
But then you go and cut The Undertaker off in the only promo that anybody's watching for last night. So I don't know if competition's the best thing for uh, for everybody involved, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I I do love The Undertaker's entrances and stuff, but they do take long. So if they overrun, that's a problem. So. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned, and it's interesting, because in the wrestling world, it's hard to get a seat at the table. People don't tend to take you under their wing. I mean, I was lucky to have guys like Tommy Dreamer and Edge and Val Venus and John Cena to an extent. But um, in fantasy sports world, that seems to be totally different. You, you mentioned Rotowire. Clay Link was one of the first people to ever respond to me on social media. He, he sent me a, a baseball book. I'm going to bother you and Joe to send, to send me a black book. But what do you think is the reason that it's such an open arm fraternity in fantasy sports where we all want to see each other succeed as opposed to wrestling where it's like carry my bags kid and don't look me in the eye <laughs> i think this is a lot of openness for content it's not like there's a limited amount of places you can get this stuff and you know we do want to have a cooperative competitiveness i think the best industries do kind of thrive on that when you know as wrestling you know you i just put it there you want to each offer your own perspective but also kind of you know, breed uh, this community within each other. I think that's really big. And, you know, Matt, I've talked to you through the World of Wire social uh, Twitter account a little bit times. I know you talk to people, so I'm, I'm happy to kind of come out from that veneer and talk to you as, as myself normally. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Clay's great. I mean, you know, Steve Gardner at USA Today, when I used to work, there was a big, big influence on me as well. He's, he's just an ace at everything. Uh, Nicholas Minix from my KFL days was a huge influence on me as well. Uh, it, it, you keep giving back. You keep telling people that this is a great environment to be in. It's going to be a place where people want to work and people want to create, people want to really expand the analysis and make it better. It's, it's, it's best for everybody involved. Yeah, definitely. And one of the guys that, uh, you just like you were saying, have really uh, reached out to people and helped them out is Justin Mason of Fantasy mm -hmm. uh, Friends of Benefits. And he has the TGFBI, which our listeners are familiar with at this point because we talk about it so much. And if I'm not mistaken, you're currently in second place out of 315 teams, no? Nice. Um, I'm taking a screenshot of that. Uh, before action starts tonight, because I don't think it's going to last very long. Very tough field, but yeah, uh, absolutely, just a heck of a field this year. I, Mike, you and I were in the same league, it, it, the same you know sub league, I guess you want to call it. There, yeah. uh, we were fighting out a little bit early in April. I, I hope you can come back up with me. We can uh, <laughs> we can roll through the rest of this competition together. I, I've got dealt with a bad hand with injuries, but that's no excuse because everybody else has. So it's definitely a tough competition. No DL in that league, though. No yeah, Ohio interesting. In that league, so yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So here's here's the interesting thing, and there's a lot of owners that are like Mike that are here in the, the first few days of June. They're looking at their teams. They're not happy where their teams are. They've been decimated by injuries. You wrote this great article about trying to find new layers of players, and not just because it rhymes, and you were talking about trying to zero in on guys that have a frequency of a called strike and things like that. Dude, how did you think this deep? Like, what was the thought process? Well, we live in an era where strikeouts are, are so heavy, and you, you, I, I figured that, you know, everyone's going to be chasing the guys that are going to be having that dominant fastball, having the swinging strike rate that's crazy. I think you have to kind of look at the other dynamic now because streaming pitching has never been more difficult right. than it is, or at least maybe the last decade or so hasn't been this difficult because pitching is just so it, – it, it's overvalued. and it, 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 well, it, It's in high demand. It's not overvalued necessarily, but I think it's just looking for those pitchers at the back end of your rotation to seal things up has never been – you know, more difficult with this era of the juice ball, 2017 coming into this year. You know, you have, you have to look at the other end of things where you can kind of manipulate the umpire and you can, you know, take advantage of strike zones that might be a bit more generous and starters that are working with those uh, catchers that can frame pitches really well. I think that you can find a subset of free agents that, you know, isn't necessarily heavily owned yet. So kind of looking at the guys that aren't really just 
blowing everybody away, the ones that are kind of getting through, uh, you know, th- through nefarious means when it comes to deceiving umpires and letting those catchers do their work there. Yeah, so I, I couldn't agree more as far as the juice ball and uh, finding pitchers hard to stream. I'm looking at it right now as we speak. I pitched Chase Anderson tonight. He's given up two runs in the first inning, and Devin Smeltzer mm-hmm. gave up a homer to Lindor. So it looks like it's going to be another uh, tough week <laughs> for my pitching staff. Uh, the, the article you wrote called Strikes and, and Pitch Framing article and how it relates to fantasy, if you want to just dive into it uh, real quick for us and let the listeners know what it's about and, and what the outcomes of the research you did were. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll also tweet that out after I'm done with you guys uh, and when the thing's posted. Uh, it's more so just ca- like trying to investigate if is getting a cold strike a skill. I kind of looked at the last three years and around the league and seeing what the average uh, you know call strike percentage would be, and then you compare that with uh, you know the, the swinging swing, the swinging strike rate. Kind of focus on players and pitchers that do get a lot of those. Like uh, Zach Greinke, of course, is a big one. Trevor Bauer, big one. Aaron Nola, who's you know having trouble striking out guys this year, yeah. at least with his fastball. He's getting a lot of K's, but definitely at the benefit of JT Romuto's uh, framing ability, which has improved. So you, you kind of want to frame it as, you know, I, I looked at look to swing rate in terms of, you know, getting strikes looking versus strikes swinging. Mm-hmm. And Granke's had a great amount of that. Trevor Bauer has that, but he also is great at, you know, forcing swinging strikes. So those guys are kind of, it's almost like a bonus for those guys that have that really good uh, swinging strike rate, like a Strasburg or Wheeler. Chris Sale, of course, those guys are going to be good at that anyway. But the more the finesse guys like Zach Granke, Nola, well, Marco Gonzalez, who's had a real tough correction, and that's the thing with these guys. They're sometimes razor-thin margin for error. But, you know, Jake Arrieta's of the world that really lead on those called strikes. Sometimes they can be useful, sometimes they're risky. Um, and, you know, I kind of just kind of translated that into to framing and then looking at umpiring and kind of looking at widespread free agents on ESPN leagues that, that might have had some called strike advantages. So you got to have some actionable advice to that. You can't just have that for the guys that are heavily rostered. Yeah, so as a former educator, as well as our producer, Joe, a fan of literary prose, deep in the article, you refer to guys as the Bob Rosses of fantasy pitching. And I thought that was absolutely beautiful. You know, happy little tree here, beat the devil out of the brush. Mike and I were talking about guys that go from becoming throwers to pitchers. We were talking about Brandon Woodruff at the time. But can you give the listeners maybe three or five Bob Rosses of fantasy pitching? I know that a lot of the names are obvious, but is there anyone Mm -hmm. out there people might be missing in the little trees well i mean a guy i've been looking at a little bit more is felix pena of the angels he kind of they, they've, they've toyed between having him be a, a bulk reliever primarily pitcher and a starter i think that fastball is really good i think the uh the the fly ball is a little bit of a concern as it is with most of these uh you know finesse guys but i think the angels getting him a little bit more time there is in the rotation is good he's very easily available in espn leagues i think it was 3.5 percent as of last week hasn't changed much jalen beaks of the rays i love i think that his stuff plays up a bit more as uh, the, one of the Rays followers. So I think that, you know, that, that's something where the swinging, the, the look strikes can be as helpful as well. Uh, Jordan Lyles of the Pirates has gotten a little bit less attention uh, than most. I think that guy kind of added his curveball this year is really, really big for that. Wade Miley of the Astros. <laughs> he doesn't get much credit for his cutter. He's not really a big overpowering guy, but that thing works the corners pretty well. Uh, another readily available guy in ESPN. Uh, Brad Peacock, Sonny Gray, Chris Bassett were the top three uh, look-to-swing rate guys that lean more heavily on strikes looking. So I think those are guys that, with the right umpire and with those catchers being really good for those guys, I think it's really good, um, best of all worlds, to kind of stream them. 
And it's funny because we were just talking about Felix Pena. Uh, every episode or every other episode, we play this game called Is He For Real? And we do five guys that are on the cusp of either breaking out or have, have already had a hot week or whatever it is. And Felix Pena was one of them. And I actually said he was not for real, even though his slider is great. He does have a great slider. The pitch value is 6.1. He has a 133 batting average against. I don't think the fastball is good enough to be throwing nearly 60% of the time. Not right. to, uh, I disagree with you a little bit on the Felix Pena, but all the other guys you've mentioned are really good, and that's a good indicative of where they're going to be in the future. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Alex Fass from Pitcher List wrote an article about CSW. Yep. He came up with that metric CSW, so it sounds a little similar oh, to Alex, that. Yeah, I mean, when Alex Fast is uh, writing something, you know, you're at least diving down the right uh, path <laughs> to being a detective there. Yeah, so, for sure. And, and even a couple more uh, uh, pitcher list guys, they're, com- they're coming up with something new every day, a new metric every day to show how indicative it is of a pitcher's future. So it's very interesting to read from all perspectives, yours, Alex's, and everybody else's. Well, I, I think what, what's truly interesting is it, it's hot topical news. It's relevant is people talking about Dallas Keuchel. And you you wrote in the article here, Keuchel's the kind of guy that lived on the called street strike depending on on the umpiring crew that he had and that that has seemed to be waning or at least does every other season uh if keichel gets signed by the yanks or the braves what do you expect i'd rather get signed with the braves that catching <laughs> tandem is much better at framing with flowers yeah. and uh, mccann yeah. i don't like gary sanchez's framing i love his ability to throw runners out i don't like his framing i don't like the way he can kind of manipulate things romine is okay and i think keichel i think that's what the market realized uh this offseason keichel's kind of reliant on his environment and i don't think that the Cy Young and, and, and the good numbers he's posted, and they, that he, they, they kind of realize that his skills are not really for this, this uh, pitching environment unless you have a really good setup. And I think the Astros kind of buttressed him a little bit with nice. that as kind of a guy that does rely on call strikes. And the Astros always had a, a good catching pair as well. So if he sounds with the Braves, I'm all in. If he sounds with the Yankees, I'm a little bit scared. And Keiko's one of the guys that have not benefited from this sabermetric era of baseball, along with guys like Eric Hosmer and uh, a couple yep. other names out there. I want to do, uh, before we wrap up, get a couple thoughts on your game-changing pitches article. I know you had Martin Perez on there. Uh, who were the other pitchers you had on there, if you remember off the top of your head? Uh, Lyles, uh, you know, I just talked about before. Tyler Molly, kind of uh, being a little bit more with the curveball. I wish it was a little more effective curveball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Turnbull, the Tigers, nice. part of his really ridiculous season, has been locking into a cutter. Uh, and I like, I like pitches with cutters because it's not as strenuous as a slider and like I said, for some of these lower velocity guys, you can work around the strike zone a little bit more effectively, as is the case with Perez, who I think he's coming back to earth a little bit. Obviously, he had that disaster 6-1 yeah. outing last time, but a little bit, little bit more confident in him as a starting pitcher. So rest, rest of the season, out of all those guys, if you want to give our listeners one guy to really focus on between Lyles, Molly, Turnbull, and Perez, who do you got? Um, I, I think Molly has the, actually the best positive regression upside. I think there's a little bit of a case for him. He gives up a lot of hard contact, I'll admit it, but if things get right there, uh, I think he could actually kind of throw things around a bit. I think, uh, you know, if, if Luke Weaver were healthy, I would say him first, yeah. of course. Uh, maybe Gossman if you want a, another one. But I, I don't like the way he gives up a lot of hard contact as well there. And Zach Davies is, is on the flip side all the way down, I think. I think he's <laughs> kind of working with a little bit of magic right now. Yeah. All right. We are being joined by the one and only Tim Haney at Team Haney. Kind of like got team, but Team Haney. And, of course, my fantasy black book will be arriving at my door very shortly. I'm sure everyone so. out there is getting theirs as well because fantasy football is coming. You know, uh, XM Serious Fantasy Sports Radio, after July, they only discuss football. It goes to show you how important the black book is. Uh, last question, and it's almost like this kind of fantasy thing. The year is 2025. FanDuel, DraftKings, Monkey Knife Fight, they've all merged 
do we find ourselves stacking battery mates and umpires based off of the the logic here in your article? I would love to see that type of game. Uh, I'm all for the innovative types of things. I think it's important now to use that kind of thing. You know, at RotoWire, we have umpire reports listed under our stats now. It's kind of a big deal to to kind of point out some of the guys with, with those big calls strike rates here. Uh, I, I guess some of the big ones, Adam Hamari, Kerwin Danley, uh, guys I'm looking for right now, Mike Estabrook. And, yeah, I think I think umpiring is a, game, is a part of the game we kind of lay off to the side a little bit in terms of uh, its impact. I think that as we get advanced stats, we can kind of judge umpire strike zones more. We might have robots by then, though. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's something that you might have to look into. But, yeah, I would love to kind of see some more importance placed on umpiring and and catcher pitcher motives here. So yeah, I, Matt, I would love to see some sort of a version of that. And, and yeah, I would love to think of the name of all those companies merging as well. <laughs> Tim, one last question before you go, and I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyway. Jeez. What are your thoughts on what it would look like to have advanced metrics in wrestling? <laughs> um, oh God, I, I, Joe, Joe, Matt and I could probably talk for an hour about this. Uh, like, you know, pops earned during match or, um, you know, most pyro per year would be a good one. You know, so, that's so, so rare nowadays. Mike I mean, and I, I, go ahead. No, I was saying, I mean, I would have loved to find out more to Lucha Underground where it got a little crazy. <laughs> so. Uh, so Mike and I have, uh, we started talking about it, and then we reached out to a professor in Hofstra, and I've already started the process of copywriting the, the, the whole thing. is Basically, it's I'm making it up. Cody Rhodes goes for his dropkick 60% of the time in matches. When he hits that dropkick, his win percentage is 31.3. And we're thinking that some company would throw that graphic up on the screen. Or maybe, or maybe an announcer would say it or a ticker. Do you think something like that could change how we watch wrestling i mean i think AEW should do some sort of fantasy thing uh i don't think they have enough events until tv comes but to have a micro game like that within the sports entertainment professional wrestling i think that'd be a fantastic way to connect and get more sports crossover people to go there you go well it's already copywritten but you, you can you can come in on it because like i said the guys at rotowire are one of the first people to ever even give me an opportunity and i really appreciate it um anything else you want to say to listeners before we let you go uh, Matt Stryker is awesome, and Mike is one of the up-and-coming fantasy guys. Thank you guys for letting me on your show, and I uh, hope this is not the last time. No, definitely not. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, the one and only Tim Heaney coming in. No relation to Andrew whatsoever. And uh, Mike, I got to tell you, dude, you just get the great guests. You know how to use that thing? I don't know. How to, I'm, it's my first day on this planet. Okay, <laughs> seriously, I just landed from the mothership. No, Tim uh, was great. Tim, good stuff. Tim has a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge out there, and he not only uh, portrays his knowledge. Is that the right word to use? I'm all over the place with my words today. <laughs> he not only... What word am I looking for, Joe? Demonstrates. Okay. We so Joe and I, as teachers, we know that we shouldn't laugh at a student, right? And we want to try to use... What, was it Piaget that said use this, the child's mistake in order to create a teaching moment? Was that Piaget? Was that Bronfenbrenner? Uh, you're a lot more well sure. read up at Whatever. that point. I just, I just took the test yesterday. Whatever the word is, right. he not only gives you the information, but he tells you how the information translates to fantasy, which is a big thing, a big thing that we always talk the, about and that you get on me for. But it is what it is. The it's, application of knowledge. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. You like that? The application? Uh, still you think an application for. is something on your phone? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Completely outside of everything, I 
found this awesome t-shirt. I think it's on RotoWare. Instead of, you might be too young. It used to be you down with OPP. I know what that is. It was just you down I'm with, you know, o, you know what OPP no, stands for? I live in America. For? You know what it stands for? See, you don't. So the OPP is no, other people's property, which is a way of saying cheating. Are you down to cheat? There's a cool T-shirt that says you down with OBP. Yes, I've seen it. And I want that. So my birthday is June 26th. Feel oh, free right to go. the corner. Feel free. It's Derek Jeter's birthday, too. Let me not write that down. Dick. Feel free to go to Rotoware and uh, Rotoware.com and, you know, grab grab Maddie an extra large and something. Extra large? Cool. Bro, have you seen my shoulders? Extra large? Yeah, all day. That shirt's an extra large. Oh, yeah. No, I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were born in Canada, too. Yeah. All right, continue. Why? Not an extra large? You think I'm a large? Large this is too tight. This shirt is not an extra large. If that's an extra large, you got issues, buddy. What What are my issues? You're what five you foot eight. You're not no, wearing I'm an extra ten. large. It's an extra large. I'm 218 pounds. Wow. You think it's an extra large, Joe? Really? All day. All day. <laughs> There's my man, Joe. <laughs> All right. It's an extra large, whatever you say. Five, you guys eight. are like, maybe, What's you matter should, with you? maybe you guys should do this podcast. You're not Seriously. Five, I'm like 5'10", 218. Are you sure? Yeah. Is that listed on the internet? The, the internet. One time in, see in, the, internet in the news day, they had me at 6'1". No oh, way. I kept that article on my fridge. I was like, yeah, man, 6'1". If I was 6'1", wow. I'd be champ of the world. How tall are you? 5'10". Wow, that's correct. Why didn't they build well, you yeah. a little a little taller? Because yeah. no one would believe it. Because I'm stocky, so when you see me, you don't think that's five ten. You know what your build weight is? Two twenty. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it's exactly nice. two twenty. There you go. I could fight for the heavyweight title. Yeah. How about that? That you could. Mike, what do you weigh? Uh, right now, I'm probably 181, maybe. Do you know that science will tell us? Now, Joe, do you have a friend that's a science teacher? Oh yeah. Yeah. Science will tell you that if I hit you. With eighty percent, eighty percent force, I will knock you cold. Yeah, that sounds right. Eighty percent right. force. Eighty, it would probably take about sixty. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. There's that, that's that's the tops before you hit brain damage. <laughs> right, before before I kill him. Do it. <laughs> nice. Ruiz beat Joshua. Remember that. Yeah, no, I get that. Remember that. Fair enough. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying. Remember that. Ruiz was also about you know. Thicker than you. I'm Thirty-two and one with 105 amateur fights. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not out there trying to fight. All I know is that a friend of mine that was a detective, he was a retired detective, and he said, especially if you ever get into hand-to-hand out there, you only do enough to defend yourself. You do not inc- inflict any further damage. And when questioned, you have to seriously. I feared for my life. There was a brick wall behind me. I had nowhere to go. Joe was coming at me, and I feared for my life, and I had to defend myself. You know what I mean? If I hit you with an uppercut and on the way down your head slams against the curb and all your Joe brains are on the floor. Joe brains. You know what I mean, Mike? Uh, this this took a, a real turn. Well, you the know macabre you know of what, fantasy baseball. You know what worries me about you? Oh, you're so nice to everybody and like you, you walk around like nothing is going on and you're nice, nice, nice to everybody. I feel like that one time you do get into that situation, you might just unleash because no. you, you hold it all in. No? no Am no, I wrong? No. Uh, my, my dad taught me the importance of restraint. All right. I hope I hope that's the case. Discipline. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Joe with the one-liners. All right. There Killing you go. Him. So that's our discipline. Uh, Mike, anything else you want to say to the people? They can find you where? Uh, they can find me doing DFS for a picture list every Thursday. You don't want to do a little DFS? Uh, we could do a little DFS. I'll give mine since you want to give yeah. yours in, in you your own yours. way. I've been, uh, I've been doing wor- a lot of work with uh, Scott Engel and the guys over at Wind Daily DFS. You can check them out at Wind Daily DFS, giving all of our DFS stuff. And uh, also you can find me at Matt underscore Striker underscore. You can read me on Razzball. Instagram is Real Matt Striker. Uh, come to Long Beach and you can find me anywhere between one of six beaches. I'll usually be the guy 
laying alone. Be careful what you say here, because people <laughs> might show up. Hey, man, that's cool. Just come on down. Is that cool? Yeah, why not? All right, give you a DFS before we get out of here, Miguel. All right, Wednesday, Ketel Marte against Kent Maeda and Jose Abreu against Anibal Sanchez. I couldn't decide between the two, but if I had to pick, or if you had to pick, I would say Jose Abreu. Sure. He's uh, he's a little dinged up, though, isn't he? He is a little dinged up, but he is also 13 for 24 against Sanchez in his career. Two homers, nine wow. RBIs. 14 of his 15 homers have come against right-handed pitchers this year. And when we did the show a couple weeks ago and we talked about barrels, he is in the top 2% of the league in barrels. Now, barrels, of course, is the combination of launch angle that a pitch is struck at, said the English major, and the exit velocity. If it uh, reaches a certain threshold, that's called a barrel. Correct. That nice. is what a barrel is. So he's in the top 2% of the league in that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Thursday, Michael Conforto against Sean Anderson of the Giants. Okay. Never faced each other before, but Conforto is a very streaky hitter, and he puts together those 4-for-4 four four games yeah. followed by those 0-for-4 games. So I think he will be a good play on Thursday, even though Anderson hasn't been bad and does have a decent pitch mix. He does not generate as many swings and misses. And somebody on the Mets will get him, and I'm hoping it's Conforto. Friday, Adam Jones against Marcus Stroman, 9-for-25 in his career. Give me Adam Jones to continue his career resurgence, even though Marcus Stroman is not a friend of the show, but almost a friend of the show. But honorable mention to Mike Trout for Thursday and Friday. Thursday is going against Fires. Friday is going against Brett Anderson, it looks like. And he has great career numbers against them, as he does everybody else. Hey, let me ask you something. Um, two questions. One. Marcus Stroman is a patch out guy. That's why I'm telling you. you know, That's I, why know, I, I know where Marcus Stroman is from. I mean, I'm alive. Barely. I want to see you against but, Marcus Stroman's dad. Do you know what he looks like? What do, what do you mean against? Playing tennis? No, like we're talking about hand-to-hand combat, aren't we? Why, why am I fighting Marcus Stroman's dad? Look at this guy. Seriously, that looks like a... <laughs> why am I fighting <laughs> Flex Wheeler? Show the Periscope audience. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> They're not gonna, they'll never you understand. Need, this won't do it justice. Oh, why am I fighting Ahmed <laughs> Johnson? Like, why is this happening? Uh, he is a, he's a very muscular man. It looks like if Ken Griffey was stung by bees. Remember on the Simpsons episode when Ken Griffey had, like, giganticism? That's what Marcus Stroman's father looks like. Big man. Oh, man. Joe, what's up? What do you got? We got a little future cast here from uh, the podcast we had today. So we got you looking at called strikes with framing from our buddy Tim Heaney. Then we got the AEW keeps stats already. They are going with wins and losses here. They are going with wins and losses. So allegedly. May, allegedly. But you have something to look forward to in the future. Something's ringing. So, somebody's buzzing in. That could be Cody calling right now, actually. Um, what do you think about advanced metrics in wrestling? Picture Kofi Kingston goes to the top rope, and he's on the top rope, and then a little bar comes up that says 94%, or as he's walking up there, goes to like 73, 74, like in the NBA when guys are from the three-point line to the hoop. And as he's going up there, it goes up, and then he does the move. And then maybe something comes up that says he wins 92% of the time when he executes this move. I think it would be something that the production value would increase with. Problem is too many little kids watch, and that's not the market that WWE is going to this point, so your production cost will obviously increase just from your graphics. Mm -hmm. But I think it brings an element where, look, we know what wrestling is. It's hard to bet on wrestling. It's John Cena versus Matt Stryker. If you bet Matt Stryker, you may as well go bet the who plays the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals. Maybe like, in like, 1980. But yeah. if, you can, if you can have stats and do little prop bets on his propensity to do an arm drag, it makes it a little more interesting. It makes it a little more interesting, but you got to watch out for those, you know, 
telltale signs like the cane entrance where when's the pyro going to go off or, you know, is Ric Flair going to wear red or blue? So you always got to watch out for that. All right, fair enough. You know what I see? I see no. in the future, and it's going to just destroy wrestling for people like me and Joe. I don't know about you, but it's going to be pick what move Kofi Kingston uses tonight on social media and or pick what move Kofi Kingston does, and people are going to – that's how it's going to eventually going to lead to. That sounds like a knock razor solution. So, yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> They've tried something similar with a, with a concept called Cyber Sunday. Yeah, I uh, not necessarily the move, but what type of match and so on and so yeah. forth. But either way, I just think that analytics and listen, I've said this before. I took statistics in college four times and not because I like the class. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just think that having the application of statistics and probability just in your daily life. You know, and think about it. You take the same route to work every single day. I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what is it? Is there anything to finding out that uh Every time you make the, the green light on Main Street, you get to work on time 86% of the time or whatever it is. And I don't know. I just think that there's cool ways to apply metrics to your life. Well, I think the technology is just going to improve that. So we'll see where it takes us. All right. So technology will improve. But no matter what, we will always have a Mike the Rotocop, the one and only for Mike the Rotocop. For Joe, I am Matt Stryker. We say good luck. Be safe. Have fun. And we'll see you out there.